Be like Shashwat Baxi here for another educational episode of the podcast where we interview people across the spectrum of responsibilities and roles in every different field. And today I would like to welcome in my next guest, Andrea Baguetta. Andrea, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Andrea and I have known each other a lot of years. Um, and luckily, this podcast is going to be a good opportunity for us to reconnect, hear about what Andrea has been doing since um, middle school, high school, all those days of when we knew each other, having homeroom together at least. I don't know if we had a whole bunch of classes together, Andrea, but I feel like we sat next to each other in homeroom or in front of yeah, whatever. Yeah, those, those BA last names there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So since then. So, Andrea, if you want to give my listeners a little bit of a background about uh, who you are and maybe what your current title is, and then we'll talk about how you got there. All right, so um, as Sash said, we went to high school together. Um, I'm actually still in the town that we grew up in, so um, Southington, born and raised, and uh, I am recently divorced and out on my own and living with my dog and cat, so sorry if you hear some crazy barking in the background. Um, so after graduating high school, I went to Sacred Heart University and obtained a bachelor's degree in psychology um, in 2009. And then after that, um, it was that unfortunate timing of the Great Recession when we all graduated. So I took a year off. I wasn't entirely sure where, what I was going to do, what I wanted to do. Um, at that point, I did actually apply to grad school. I applied to different types of programs. I was admitted and then decided I wasn't ready to commit to any of them. So I ended up taking a year off. Um, because the economy was horrible, I really didn't end up finding a job in that time period. I like worked retail. Um, and then kind of like halfway through that year, I was like, you know what, I do need to go to grad school because I'm not going to find a job in this economy. So I ended up at Boston University. Um, I pursued a master's degree also in psychology. Um, it was a general degree in psychology, so there were no licensures attached to it. Um, and it was very kind of like make your own plan of study. So I ended up focusing on child development. Um, that was something that I was always very interested in. Although throughout my years of schooling, I realized that working with children wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I was in a research lab at BU that worked with young children, um, kind of seeing memory and, and how their memory works. Like a, like a hide and seek type game. We're gonna put something in a trunk over here and see if you can remember where it is. Um, with very young children, um, which I enjoyed, but I was like, you know what? I don't know if I wanna do this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I graduated from Boston University. It was just a one year program. Um, and, and I still didn't really know where to go from there. 
Sure. And my degree was, BU was a research institution, which Sacred Heart was not. So it was a, like a whole different experience for me to be in this school now that was very research focused, not necessarily my forte, um, but it did actually give me like a really good skill set um, that would then set me up going forward, um, which I look back on now and, and was kind of thankful for. Awesome. So let's pause there because you gave us a lot of good information. Let's take it back, Andrea, to when we were, I don't know, freshmen in high school, 13, 14 years old. What were you thinking about doing? What was the, what was the hope? At that point, I don't know that I was ever truly one of those people that was like, this is what I want to be when I grow up. I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, psychology was something that I discovered in high school that I really liked. I took mm -hmm. AP psychology and, and the topics, you know, really appealed to me. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to major in. And actually, when I told my family that, they were like, nah, you got to major in business. <laughs> so I actually ended up going to Sacred Heart as a business major for one semester and then decided, you know what, I'm not listening to you people and I'm going to get a degree in psychology. About that. Um, yeah. But as in high school, you know, I did always kind of have the idea of maybe being a clinician. Okay. Um, and as my further the further schooling I went through, I realized just how much of like a commitment that would be in terms of time and money and and all that. And so I never really pursued it. But it is something that always kind of has been in the back of my mind. So it's still a possibility? Maybe. Yeah. My job okay. right now it's not it's not clinical, but yeah. it it there's a little counseling there. So sure. we'll get to that. I, I would think <laughs> All right, we'll definitely get to that. So business was the initial major. That's primarily because your parents were like, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Relevant. One semester in, you change your mind. Were you at a position at that point like, whatever this means, I have to make the move, whether I have the prereqs or not, whether I've taken the necessary general classes or not. Forget business. Out of this school, into psychology. Let's see how it goes. So luckily, Sacred Heart, um, and they still do, it's much different now, but they're a liberal arts college. So everybody, most people freshman year are taking general ed courses to begin with. So really, the only thing that I had taken in business at that point was like a business math. Okay. Um, and the requirements for the psychology major were any math you wanted. So I actually ended up not being far off. Yeah. And as anyone who has majored in psychology will know, it typically is one of those majors that doesn't have very specific, like it's not a science where you need biologies and, and you know, a specific plan of study. So the transition there wasn't, wasn't bad. Sure. Luckily. Business math is usually enough to get people to drive out of business. <laughs> I've actually always been very good at math, and then actually I needed two maths for psychology, and for my second math, because I could pick literally whatever I wanted, I picked like the easiest math oh, that I could, and I was like, oh, this will be an easy A, I already took business math. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. So, was psychology as a degree everything you thought it was going to be, in terms of studying it, after having taken AP Psych in high school? 
It was. Um, I really liked, um, obviously, as a psych major, you get much more in-depth into certain topics. Mm. Um, and, and the topics that really interested me were child psychology, um, like abnormal psychology, like the really kind of one flew over the cuckoo's nest stuff. Um, that always really interested me. I actually ended up taking a lot of classes with the same professors, mainly because I liked them and their teaching styles. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting and it kept my interest throughout. So, and I, I graduated with some honors. So clearly I was, I was interested in it. Yeah. So then let me ask, because you ended up with psychology, but went there thinking business because your parents told you to, how did you end up at Sacred Heart? So Sacred Heart, interestingly um and and again we'll also get there but uh, it was this tiny school at that point and so my sister actually went to fairfield university which is across town from sacred heart in fairfield um and she was like you don't want to go to sacred heart it's this tiny little school like i have friends that went there you don't want to go there and i think because of that and like it was a school that i found on my own i was like you know what i'm gonna go there now just because she told me not to unbelievable and, you know probably 40 percent of our high school class went to yukon or somewhere yeah, or Eastern, or, and yeah, i was like you know what? i don't want to go to any of those schools yeah i want to stay in the state but i don't want to be with people that i know true story. and at that point Nobody even knew what who Sacred Heart was. Mm. So I ended up being the only person from our class that went there, which was good. Yeah. I mean, if you want to stay in state and you think of we had 550 people that we graduated with, you didn't have a lot of choices, right? Everybody went to Southern, right. Eastern, Central, Yukon. I mean, we Connecticut College, people weren't thinking about. Yale's a reach school for most people. Westcon isn't really an option. So you don't have that many choices. So good for you. Yeah. But okay. So the 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 rebellious side of Andrea has been there for a long time where you were just like, I'll show you guys. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. So you, you already talked about this, but you graduated from uh Sacred Heart with your bachelor's in, in psychology. Everybody understands, right? Two thousand eight happened, all of the fallout into two thousand and nine. You ended up taking a year off working around some other things and then BU was the plan at that point when you were thinking about BU and focusing in psychology just to continue your education so clinic so clinical work could be the fo the long term goal or was it just like psychology is what I know and love let's go get a masters so here's some some Thank advice here's, here's a little personal a little personal thing for you so at that point at that point in my life, I was dating my then boyfriend who lived in Massachusetts. We had been dating for four years at that point, long distance. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to go back to school and I knew that I didn't want to be in a long distance relationship anymore. So to all of you out there who are <laughs> in these similar situations, please don't do what I did. Don't do but that. I ended up looking at schools in Massachusetts because of him. And I applied to Assumption College for a counseling program. I applied to Boston University for this general psychology program. Mm -hmm. And then there was a third one that now I can't remember. Um, it was something else though. It was totally different. All psychology related, but totally different program. And basically I got into all three and I just 
picked one. I knew that BU was a really good school. I knew that I liked psychology in general. I still mm. wasn't sure if I wanted to commit to counseling. Sure. Um, sure. The program at Assumption College was like three years, and I was like, I don't know if I can commit to that. So that's how I ended up at BU. Where in Massachusetts um, and, did he live, though? Like, you picked Boston, downtown Boston. Did he live in East Massachusetts somewhere? He lived in, in Oxford, Massachusetts. Unbelievable. Which is a tiny little town about 20 minutes north of Providence. So really, if I was smart, I would have looked at Providence College. But Got it. Okay. he was also looking to get out of. Sure. He was living in Worcester at the time with his okay. friends. Hence Assumption College, which is where right. I should have gone. Um, but he was like, I'll move to Boston, whatever, it'll be an adventure. So that's that's how we ended up in Boston. Okay. All right. So BU is a one-year program. You graduate with your Master's of Science in Psychology, right? Your MS in Psychology? Master of oh, Arts, actually. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure everybody understands. MA in Psych. And now it is what? 2010? 2011, Mm. So um, my then fiance was very much like, sure, I'll move to Connecticut, whatever you want. So we ended up here in Southington in my parents' house, um, newly engaged. I was unemployed. Luckily, he had a job where he could transfer. Okay. Um, so he worked for the, the Postal Service and mm -hmm. he transferred to Bristol, Connecticut. Um, we ended up here and I applied to literally every job that I could find that required research. Um, cause I, you know, I mentioned the, the curriculum at BU was heavy on research. Mm -hmm. So I spent like all of my time learning how to code and, and use, I could do SPSS in my sleep and I hate statistics, mm -hmm. but I knew that that was my skill set and that was my best chance for finding work. So I pretty much applied to every job that I could find that had those skill requirements. Sure. Um, and I ended up in January of 2012 getting a job in market research. So that was my first full-time position. Okay. Did you look around and think I have a master's in psychology? What the heck am I doing? Yes, I did. Um, I didn't. So because my master's degree was general psychology, didn't have any licensures with it. Sure, sure. It's not like I could be a psychologist. I couldn't, mm -hmm. it's not a clinical degree. So in retrospect, I should have went to Assumption College and got the counseling degree, but we sure. can't change the path. There's still time. There's still time. There's still time. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was looking at jobs that required a psychology degree, but come to find out, and I tell this to people still in my job now, mm -hmm. psychology is like the MBA of the liberal arts. Like sure. you can get a job in any field with a general degree in psychology, which wasn't helpful for me, for somebody who's not 100% sure what you wanna do. So I, I was lost still. 
Um, but I knew what my skills were. So I kind of started just looking at jobs that required those skills instead of like just general psychology. Sure. How long did you stay in market research? Uh, 18 months. 18 months. Um, so I was in a very small firm. It was called Spectrum Associates Market Research in Avon. Um, very, very small firm. It was the owner and one other person. And they were looking for a research assistant. So I got in there and my whole job was coding research, collecting survey data, doing focus groups. And I was so bored, so bored. Like I knew that I, I was good at what I was doing and, and, you know, I was okay with it, but I was so bored. Right. And there was no, I'm a people person. There was, because the company itself was so small, there was like hardly any people interaction. Um, and I just, I did always know that I didn't want to be tethered to a desk all day. Like, that's why I didn't want to be a business major. Because all I could think of was, like, my brother who's at Mass Mutual, like, working at a desk all day long. And I knew that I didn't want that. And that was what this market research gig turned into. And I was, I was not happy. Yeah. How did your parents react when your first position was market research assistant? I don't think they really knew, <laughs> to be honest. I don't really think they knew exactly what I did. Sure, um, sure. I told them that it was using the skills that I gained in grad school, and they're like, "All right, you have a job. Okay. That's what about you're getting married in six months. You better have a job." Yeah, so that's sure. what they also cared about. Somebody's got to pay for the wedding. Correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So eighteen months of that. Do you feel like you were one actually using the skills that you had from your master's and two, did you grow in that position? I was definitely using the skills from my master's degree. Mm -hmm. um, I do not felt that I grew. In fact, mm -hmm. I felt that it kind of set me back in terms of who I was as a person. Um, the I did not get along well with the leadership. Um, he he was in probably, I don't know, early 60s towards the end of his career and treated me a lot like a daughter. And so I didn't really get to experience like career growth at all. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like I was myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that also ties into the whole I didn't want to be at a desk. Yeah, I really don't like working on you know statistics it's just not my thing um and i became very very unhappy mm, okay so then where did you go from there what was the what was the position that you leapfrogged to after that so after that i so while i was miserable i was yeah. thinking where was the last time that i truly felt like myself and i was truly happy and that was mm. at sacred heart wow um so at sacred heart Starting off as a freshman, I got a job in the undergraduate admissions office as like a work study. Sure. Um, and at that point, one of the admission counselors was like, you have a great personality. You should be a student ambassador. And I was like, I don't like talking to people. I'm not going to be a student ambassador. And he was like, come on, come on. You have to do it. You have to do it. 
So I ended up being a student ambassador, like, yay, Sacred Heart. I'm going to give tours of, I gave tours of campus. I worked at open houses. I interviewed incoming freshmen. Like, I was totally involved in admission stuff. And that was actually where I think I really formed the person that I am today. Mm. Um, I've always been like outgoing and whatever, but it wasn't really until then that I was like, okay, I actually can talk to strangers. Like I can give a tour to 50 people and be comfortable talking to them. Like this is something that I never knew about myself. Um, And so then, you know, when I was in college, I, I built upon those like public speaking type skills. And then Fast forward to this market research gig where I'm like working with two people and I felt like I totally lost that part of myself. So I was really trying to look back on, okay, when was the last time I was really happy? So I knew someone that was working at Sacred Heart that I had gone to school with there. Um, She was working in the alumni office at the time. And I like was looking at their jobs on their website and I saw this admissions specialist position, but it was in graduate admissions. Um, And when I went to Sacred Heart, it was a very small school. There was probably when I graduated, maybe like five to 10 graduate programs, like graduate studies there wasn't really a thing. So I honestly didn't even like think of there being a graduate admissions office. So I really wasn't sure what that job would entail, but I was like, maybe this is my in, like maybe this is how I can get back in. So I emailed my friend in alumni relations and was like, hey, I see this job. I kind of apply for it. Like, can you tell me anything about it? And she ended up getting me an interview. So I went for an interview and they were like, we love hiring former student ambassadors. I like immediately got the job. So um, that's I went right from my horrible, miserable job (laughs) to what I have now. You know, it's interesting, though. I feel like you had a fair amount of school spirit, though, right? When we were in high school. I mean, it's not a complete like transition from you hated high school to you're a student ambassador in undergrad. No, I, it's, that's not what I meant. Um, I never felt comfortable, like public speaking. So I never felt comfortable being in front of a classroom talking to people. I mean, I mean, you know me, I can talk to anybody, but like being in a group like that, when, when this admission counselor at the time was like, you should give tours. I was like, are you kidding me? That's like my nightmare. No way can I talk to a group of like a whole room of people. And he's like, yes, you can. So, um, that's really what, what I kind of. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause I was going to say, I mean, it's, you're definitely not somebody who was, uh, in their shell all the time. Right. No, no, no. I just didn't really like the whole public speaking. I got it. Proud, proud aspect. Yeah. So admissions specialist, what was your what was your responsibility? What did you have to do? So as admissions specialist, when I was first hired, it was a new position for graduate admissions there. Mm-hmm. So I did find out once I got there that graduate studies at Sacred Heart had exploded. Um, actually, Sacred Heart University has exploded. Um, and I can, I can get to that a little bit later, too. <laughs> Um, but I remember driving through campus for my interview and there was like three buildings that weren't there just a few years before. And I was like, what is this school now? Um, and they at that point probably had 
30 graduate programs. And I was like, wow, this place has changed. So my position was um, to organize the admission counselor travel schedules, to organize the graduate events, open houses, um, and also like work in our, it's a, called the CRM. It's like our database for application um, and stuff. So that was my initial position. Um, I was in that position for about eight months. Okay. Until um, an admission counselor left and my supervisor was like, you have to have that position. Like, mm. you're not just going to sit here and organize our events. You need to do something more. Um, so I moved in to that position. Awesome. What year was that? That was, so I started talk, uh, working there in 2013. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. by early 2014, I had moved into an admission counselor role. Right. And so then now you were the one traveling out to these events, the the fairs, and telling people about why they should come and get their graduate degrees yes. at Sacred Heart. Okay. So for people who don't know, um, so undergraduate admissions, they're the ones that come around to your high schools and set up tables and you walk around to them with your parents and, you know, get all the fun information. Graduate admissions, um, we're going to colleges and doing right, that. Sure. So, yeah, um, a big part of the job is going to college fairs um, and you sit at a table and you talk to certain majors. Sometimes they're very specific to a program um, or a lot of times it's just general college fairs. Um, so basically, the main part of my job is recruiting students for a specific set of graduate programs. Yeah, which makes sense. What are you focusing on now? So right now, I uh, am actually now a director. So I'm director of graduate admissions. That's what I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> I oversee the enrollment to all of the graduate programs in the College of Arts and Sciences. So we have five colleges. Mm -hmm. um, we have arts and sciences, business, education, health professions and nursing. Those are our five colleges. And so does each of them have a specific director? Um, we have a, so for nursing at the grad level, we only have a couple programs. So we have one counselor that oversees education and nursing together, but yes, then um, each of the other colleges has a director. And you said you're the, the College of Arts and Sciences. Graduate yes. Graduate, right? Yes. So that also includes the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts, and the School of Social Work. Damn. Yeah. Um, how long did you do admissions counseling until you got promoted? Um, so what, I worked. What was that with, like? Uh, so the way that our positions work is. Um, well, let me go over the, I would guess, the title hierarchy. Just yeah, sure, please. Here. So when you first become an admission counselor, um, in our department anyway, you start off as an assistant director. Mm -hmm. um, I was an assistant director, then I became an associate director, then a senior sure. associate director, and now a director. And basically anything between assistant director and senior associate director, everybody has the same job. Right. Um, you're just recruiting to graduate programs. So yeah. a lot of schools do this differently. 
Um, we specifically are assigned graduate programs that we're responsible for the enrollment goals for. Um, so I work with, I oversee enrollment to the College of Arts and Sciences, but I also work with a subset of programs within that college that I am solely responsible for enrolling students to. How about that? Okay. Um, are there are then, there are there ones that you like more than others, like things that, are like, are, that, you, that you're passionate about? That's an interesting question. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so let me. I so I enroll students specifically to our School of Social Work, so our MSW program, and our brand new launching in fall 2021 uh, PhD in social work. How about that? And I also um, work with industrial organizational psychology, criminal justice, public administration, and chemistry. I have taken a liking to the School of Social Work specifically because it's our those are my highest enrolling programs, so they keep me the busiest. Um, I wouldn't say that that's like where my passion lies in terms of subject matter, but that's what keeps me most busy, I would say. And so we do a lot of like sponsorship activity with them and I do a lot of travel specifically for social work. So that's kind of become like my baby. And if we ever hired any new people and I could let off some work, I would never. That's the one you wouldn't give up. Yeah. Okay. Um... All right, so you are currently the director, let's talk about your current job now, director of graduate admissions, overseeing the College of Arts and Sciences and a whole bunch of other stuff, clearly that it would take the rest of the episode just for you to talk about. Um, it took you about five years from the time you got to Sacred Heart to get to this position, right? Was yeah. What was that feeling like? That's really, I mean, you know, to, to be able to say you started as somebody who was scheduling for people yeah. to now be the one to be like, I run this thing. What's that, what's that, what's that like? Um, it feels good. Um, not to sound cocky. No, you should. You earned it. I you always know. knew that like when I first started out, I knew that that position was beneath me. I knew that I just needed a foot in the door and that I was like well beyond like skill set and whatever for that position. And I've always been since day one in that in our department, like one of the leaders. So I, I knew that I was going to get there. Um, so it feels good. It's it's a lot of work, um, nice. but I, I really do enjoy it. Excellent. So let's talk about, well, first of all, how long have you been in this position? How long have you been director? Uh, two years. Okay. Almost two years. So long yeah. enough for you to be able to speak about the experiences pre-pandemic, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So pre-pandemic, before everything went to hell, uh, what was the day-to-day -day like in the director position? What does that look like? So I have someone who reports to me. Um, he recruits to all the other programs in the College of Arts and Sciences. So basically, our school community programs. Um, so he. You know, I'm in charge of overseeing him and mentoring him. I basically, if I wanted to lay out my day to you, this is what I like to do. I come in and 
So part of my job is still just admission counselor. So I get emails overnight from people like, hey, I'm looking at your MSW program. Here's all my questions. So I like to go through my emails, answer all of my from students. Um, and then I work on all of my other tasks. So in addition to admission counselor, I also am still in charge of planning office events. So that each director has a direct report and also an additional responsibility outside of recruitment. So events are my thing. It was something that I started out with in that admission specialist role. And everyone was like, you're really good at this. So we're not going to let you give it up no matter what your job is here ever again. So it's just something that has kind of stuck with me. It's like the bane of my existence if I'm being completely transparent. <laughs> um, but I, I'm pretty good at it. So I do plan our events. We hold um, three open houses a year, one in the fall, one in the spring, and one in the summer. And it's for all of our graduate programs. So we're up to 40 graduate programs. Um, across the five colleges, and so I. How many of those are in CAS? Eleven, twelve. That's pretty. That's, um, a, that's a pretty significant number. Yeah. So Sacred Heart, for also for those of you who don't know, is known for health professions. That's our thing. We have like the top doctor physical therapy program in the country. Um, we also have a very top rated speech language pathology program. Our nursing program is top rated. So health professions are the thing at Sacred Heart. So awesome. while there's a lot of stuff in the College of Arts and Sciences and even in the College of Business and whatnot, health is like what people come to us for. Sure. So actually, we're having an event this Saturday for the College of Health Professions. Um, and we have the most people registered to attend that we've ever had just for that one college. Awesome. Um, so it's, it's, I like the part about planning events that I like the most is that I know a lot about programs that are not my own. And mm -hmm. I, I know faculty across all of the colleges because I need to arrange events with them. Yeah. And that's something that pretty much none of my other colleagues get to experience. Um, so that is something that I value a lot because I know that that kind of gives me the upper hand just in terms of networking and connections and just knowing about Sacred Heart in general. Right. So obviously day to day is a lot of different things. No two days are the same, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. But then if you think about when you're telling other people randomly in, a, in an elevator pitch type of situation, how do you explain what your role is? How do you tell other people that you're like, oh, I'm the director of graduate admissions and people are like, oh, great. What is your life like? Do you so have you a dumbed down version of that? My dumbed down version is I'm an admission counselor for graduate programs and I plan our office. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, right? I guess. Yeah, I mean, at the heart, really, the if you know if I'm going and looking at my performance evaluation, 40% of my job is recruiting students. So that's still the main focus of my job. Um, that's still that's where the money is, if you will. Especially, you know, unfortunately, pandemic, and that has to be our main focus because we're a tuition-driven institution. So. Um, that's where most of our focus is. Um, but events, they're what bring in the students. So especially at a place like Sacred Heart, 
where the campus is what sells people, even at the graduate level. So we've had losing track now because I used to tell people we've built 10 new buildings in the last 10 years. It's probably more like 15 now. Um, and that's crazy growth for any college. Um, when I started, when I was a student there, we were just shy of 6,000 students. Now we're almost at 10,000, which in that time period is, is extraordinary growth. We're the second largest Catholic institution behind BC in the Northeast. Um, and that's something that even people who live in Connecticut still don't really know. And that's something no that we're like really working on to get out there is like, hey, we're not this tiny little school anymore. We're kind of a big deal. So, yes, my elevator speech is that I recruit students to graduate programs. Um, that's the easiest way to explain it. But, For you sure. know. I've definitely gotten to experience a lot of marketing, which is not something I have a background in, but it's something that I've had to learn as I go. We have a marketing department, but because I'm involved with events, you need to market events. So I, I you know, I, I have weekly marketing meetings and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. What would you say is, the best part about your current role? The best part about my current role is that I get to meet a lot of people um, and it allows me to be myself and it allows me to interact with a lot of people. Um, while there is a lot of desk work involved, that's for sure not the majority of where I spend my time. Um, there is a little, there's just enough travel that it keeps me interested, but not so much travel that I'm never, I like. And um, I get to talk to people, which yeah. is something I also like. Good. Do you guys really primarily focus in the Northeast or is this, I mean, obviously as a grad program, you're, you've got potential opportunity from the rest of the country or all over the world, really, right? Yeah, we do focus mostly on the Northeast. Our health professions, because they are nationally ranked, will attract students from across the country um, up until, well, definitely up until the pandemic, but even a little bit before that. We do, we did actually have a very large um, international population from India. And then there became issues with visas, um, and that, that's across the country, even right pre-pandemic, um, but we did have a really large international population from India and Saudi Arabia, um, and then that all kind of tanked little by little. But um, yeah, mostly Northeast. International admissions is really trying to get out there and see where we can find students outside of India, but mm -hmm. but like the, the visa thing is just becoming like more of a hard these days, yeah. Yeah. Um... So we talked about what the best part is, right? We got a whole bunch of great things. What's the toughest part about now being director of graduate admissions? Again, pre-pandemic. So not necessarily about being director, but I would say the hardest part about the job in general, um, we don't offer institutional financial aid. So we are recruiting students and selling the selling these programs that are not cheap 
um, to people and telling them, by the way, you're going to be in <laughs> student loan debt up to your ears, but this is why you still choose Sacred Heart. Um, and just knowing, you know, my own financial situation and student loans and whatever, that for me is the hardest part is like, I know for my job, I need to enroll as many students right. as I can. But on the other side of it, I'm like putting all these people into so much debt, which is. Yeah. Well, at least, it, I mean, this is them doing that willingly, right? The hope is that you will use that master's degree or PhD or whatever to do something more, um, which is great. So let's think about this. You came from psychology. You did market research as your experience prior to that. You worked your way up. Are there skills? You talked a little bit about this in terms of marketing. Are there skills that would be helpful for you to know as the as the as an admissions person in general? As an admission person in general, in my humble opinion, the only skill that you need is to be personable. In terms of the actual job function, it's not anything that you can't teach to anyone. You basically need to know, obviously, once you get into any school, you need to learn what the program offerings are. You need to learn what the programs are. But aside from that, if you know how to talk to people and you know how to listen to people, um, that's pretty much the only like actual skill that you need. Um, I do have to really emphasize that personality aspect of it, though, because we have seen some people come and go. And um, a lot of it is because it's just not their thing. They want to just sit at their desk. Um, they want to just answer their emails. But that's that's not the whole job. You have to be willing to go out there and meet people and talk to people um, another part of the job that I actually like because of my psychology background is there are people that come to us and say, so I know I want to get a degree. I'm just not really sure in what. Um, I live in Fairfield, so I don't want to travel far to another school. You know, here's what my background is. So there is a little bit of a counseling aspect to it, which which especially in the College of Arts and Sciences. So. Set, I'm setting aside the College of Health Professions because obviously you have to know I want to be a physical therapist to apply sure. to a DPA program. Um, but in business and in arts and sciences, we do get a lot of people that are like, I just want a business degree. Should I get an MBA or should I go for your digital marketing program? And so there is a little bit of that. All right. So where are your passions? What is your actual career goal? That like kind of career counseling aspect to it which I like that's great so of course you would want to make sure that people are in the right personality for that I feel like it's been you know it's that's that's how it is normally how yeah. have things changed for you and your position over the last six or seven months we have had to learn to go 100% virtual mm -hmm. um, I am currently planning four open houses instead of one big one. Um, we're doing them all virtually. And the only way that I could wrap my head around having virtual events for 40 programs is separating them by college. Um, so that has been a huge challenge for me. Um, we did smaller, we do programmatic events too. Like I had an MSW information session over the summer mm -hmm. and like, Doing that on Zoom is great. You just send the link out to people, they register, and they come in your Zoom room. 
throughout the program. Right. But when you're trying to coordinate that for 40 programs, it has been my biggest challenge this year. Sure. Um, but in terms of our actual job function, we actually have learned that we can do our entire job from home, which is great. Mm -hmm. So we know that if things continue or if things take a turn again, that, you know, we'll be fine. Right. Um, we did meet all of our enrollment goals for this fall, which is outstanding considering nice. um, higher ed did take a hit in the pandemic. Heart yep. did not, fortunately. Um, so we definitely, we all have our whole work set up at home as well. We are back on campus now, but um, we have a little bit more flexibility now because we know, okay, you can't actually work from home. So our, our dean is giving us a little flexibility to still work from home, you know, on days that we need to. So it's been a learning curve and we've actually taken away a lot of good things from the whole work from home experience. Nice. That's good. I'm glad that it hasn't totally destroyed everything, right? Because in a lot of other positions, pandemic has come in and crushed it. And obviously higher ed has taken a huge hit, but the fact yeah. that it hasn't impacted your job directly, which is great, you know, at least not to yeah. the point where you've seen a big decrease or decline in admissions or people interested or money coming in or whatever the case may be. So that's great. Right. Do you mm -hmm. think that your experiences as an undergrad at Sacred Heart directly impact your ability to do your job in admissions? Like, had you not gone there as a student, would it be less easy? Would it be more difficult to sell the school? 100%. Yeah. I can tell you that, let me see, in my department, one, two, three, four, five, five of us are alum. Wow. Um, and you'll find that in almost every department on campus. Most sure. people sure. who work there are alum. We have had uh, people work in our department very successfully who are not, but you can you can see a difference. The passion isn't the same. Um, not to knock on anyone working on Sacred Heart is not an alum, um, but but there's not that same connection um, to it, and it's just. It's interesting though because Sacred Heart has grown so much. When I walk around campus now, it really doesn't even feel like the same school that I went to visually. Um, but it still has that like small community feeling that it used to have. And that's something that I actually like to use um, in my sales pitch that um, we have grown exponentially and we are a known school now, but it still has that like homey community feeling. And that's something that I think someone who's just coming into Sacred Heart to work now who was never a student, I'm not sure that they have that same connection or feeling. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, what's the, uh, what's the work-life balance look like? Now that you work from home, it might be different, but what's work-life balance look like for Somebody has to run all these divisions and travel and have numbers to hit and all that kind of stuff. So actually, in graduate admissions, it's not bad. Um, undergraduate admissions, they're traveling from September through December in a normal year, obviously, um, going to, you know, tens of 50, 100 high schools of um, in between that time. 
We are not doing that. Um, we go to college fairs. We probably go to a total of college fairs throughout our whole department than like maybe one undergraduate admission counselor does themselves. Whoa. So we are not doing that heavy travel that a lot of people think of when they think of admissions. So it does definitely help with the work-life balance. We have a dean now who's very family-oriented and very pro-work-life balance. So he's of the mindset like, look, you need to work late, work late. If you don't want to work late, don't work late. Go home, turn off your email, and enjoy your family time. Um, but we do have weekend commitments. I'm working every weekend from now until November. Um, mm. That's admissions. We do have night commitments. So when it's, you know, well, we do virtual events at night, too. I was going to say, when it wasn't the pandemic, we're doing events at night, but we're doing them virtually at night. So... Um, there are off hours, but we our department specifically has always been very good about, okay, you work Saturday and Sunday, take Monday off. We've always been, we've tried to be very good about maintaining that balance. Nice. That's good. That's good. And then the last question I'll ask about your current position, Andrea. So you've gotten the opportunity to promote yourself all the way up to director, right? You've worked through what would be the next step? What would be the next two steps? Is is it VP? Is it Dean? Where do, where does this go from here? So Sacred Heart uses titles a little differently. Okay. Um, graduate admissions at pretty much every other school that I've spoken to, director is the head of the department. Right, that's what um, I thought. We have executive director. Okay. So we have executive director who oversees our whole department. Mm -hmm. um, that would be, you know, if I were to move up the hierarchy, that would be the next logical step. Um, okay. Above her is our Dean of Graduate Studies. Okay. So, um, you know, there have been many people, especially at Sacred Heart, in order to up that way, have moved to other departments. For sure. We do have a lot of people that never like to leave, <laughs> never like to leave. So there are a lot of departments that are that have executive directors who've been there for 30 years and have no plans on going anywhere. So mm -hmm. in terms of upward mobility, that might be something that I need to think about in the future. If it's, you know, something I truly wanted, it may not happen there. So, you know, but that's true of anywhere. Really. Yeah, for sure. OK. Yeah. No, but at least it helps for people who are trying to figure out, OK, if I were to think about this career path what are the opportunities, right? People who usually yeah. they run a department, but so next step for you would potentially be executive director. You would oversee your directors and then they would oversee yeah. the, the rest of the team. Um, yeah. And then who knows what happens after that, but that's probably not a today conversation, right? That's you, that's a, that's a down the road conversation. So we've talked about the future. Let's think retrospectively then. Um, are there some people that you think have been key and influential in your role? In your in your journey, in your opportunity to get from, you know, middle school to where you are today, are there people that stand out um, that you want to sort of shout out and think about? Like these are the people, and how do they play influential roles in your in your journey? So there's one professor, and I told him this actually just a couple weeks ago. So it's funny that you ask. 
Sure. Um, his, his will, uh, when I was a student at Sacred Heart, he was one of my psychology professors that I intentionally took all of his classes, didn't care what the topics were because I liked him. Mm. Um, and he, he has this great personality where he's like, do you do you, you figure out what you want, you know, you don't get stuck in a rut, you know, promise me that you're going to find something that you're passionate about. Um, and actually he was my professor for like our required internship class. And at that point I was toying around with the idea of being a teacher and I did my internship in a fourth grade classroom, which I hated more than anything in the world. <laughs> and he was like, well, you see the lesson learned here is, you know, what you don't want to do. Yeah, at least. And, <laughs> and at so least. when I was, when I was applying to grad school and stuff, he, you know, he wrote all my recommendations. He was, he's a clinical psychologist. Um, so outside of Sacred Heart, um, he has a practice, he sees children, and he also specializes in sports psychology. So he, you know, told me about his journey and like, don't get into this if you're really not sure you want to get into this type of thing. Um, and so, you know, he always stuck out in my mind as kind of like a mentor. And then when I got back to Sacred Heart working, he was the program director of the psychology program that I was recruiting to. And I was like, well, what do you know? Now I get to work with you. Um, and we kind of like built upon that relationship. And he was I found him still coming into my office and giving me advice and um, they actually ended up phasing out his program and he just graduated his last class of students this past summer and he emailed everyone thanking them for all their hard work and gave me a shout out and I replied back to him and said, Will, you know that you're like one of the most influential people in my life. And then we had a hour and a half phone conversation about it. Um, so yeah, he's definitely one that admission counselor back when I was a student who forced me to be a student ambassador. Yeah. He's definitely another one. He's not there anymore. Um, but he definitely was the person that showed me that I'm not such a shy person. Um, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I would also say my, my supervisor in that market research firm. Hmm. And for much different reasons, because he showed me that I need to be myself yeah. and I shouldn't let anybody hold me back. Um, I shouldn't worry about how other people are thinking about me. And that was like a kick in the butt, um, which I've kind of carried through now to my personal life. Um, and that stands out to me as well, that I should awesome. never settle for something that I don't want to be settling for that's great at some point do you go around and tell your parents like hey if i had a business degree i wouldn't be the director of admissions uh, graduate admissions at this school you know i've never said that to them but i probably because yeah, one of our yeah. directors um worked 33 years in the finance industry so okay well then never mind never mind i was hoping you'd really be able to tell your parents like look at me now Hey, look at me now. No, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Um, are there days or things that you think about where you would go back and do it differently? You look back on your career and say, oh, if I had gone, I could have done clinical psychology. I could be somebody who practices my own practice. Or do you think like you are exactly where you need to be at this point? 
So I tell this to anybody who will listen. I don't know if it's great or not. Um, mm-hmm. I 100% regret the decision to go to Boston University. Yeah, sure. Um, I would have, I should have gone to Assumption College for that counseling program. Um, and I say that mainly because of financial reasons. Um, BU was a heavy lift and for a degree that I can't necessarily say was worth it. No knock on BU's program. It's just, it didn't really, I could have the job I have right now with my bachelor's degree in psychology. I believe that it truly set me apart from anything, honestly. Um, so that is something that I, I don't have many regrets. I don't like to have regrets, but that is something that I truly regret. Um, at least it was only a one year program though, right, Andrea? It was, but I can tell you how much it was an expensive one year. Sure. Yeah. Had you spent double that on two years, right? I think it, then it would have really hit home at least a little bit more. So True. try to look True. at the silver lining there, but yeah, I get that. I get yeah. that. Especially yeah. if you, I mean, as you've told the listeners, right, especially if you went there because of reasons that are not specific to the degree, right? Right. Right. Which is unfortunate. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So we know where you, where you would change and what you would do that's different. Um, and some of the challenges that you've gone through, right? Obviously, personal things that have come up in terms of your boyfriend being the deciding factor and things like that, yeah. which we know how Don't that turned it. out as yeah, we know how that turned out as you as you started the program. So then let's <laughs> let's let's wrap on this because I think inevitably there's a lot of advice. You you have a lot of advice for people. Let's think about what would you tell yourself then. Start by your advice to your younger self. If you're Andrea Baguetta, 12, 13 years old, what are you telling yourself now from somebody who has 20 years of experience on her? Oh wow, that's a loaded question. I got I got nothing but time. Wow. I mean, so you, obviously you have a lot of advice. Let's try to focus solely on your career. I know. I know. Phil, though. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, you can give some personal tell, advice on this too, but it's, it'll be recorded. So. I would tell my younger <laughs> self to do some research hmm. um, into career options. I really would. Um, I would tell myself as that AP psychology student in high school to really look at specific topics of psychology that interested me um, and look at what possible careers were. I would really encourage myself to, I think because of my parents and them saying, you know, what are you gonna do with psychology? I always also had that thought in my head. I knew I liked psychology, but I always, even still, like what am I gonna do with a degree in psychology? So I wish that I hadn't, really let that sit in my head. And I wish that I had actually done some more research because I feel like I would have made, I don't feel like, I know, I would have made some different choices in terms of how I let that lead me down my career path. Um, I do believe that I've ended up in a really good place. Um, I really do love my job. Um, It's something I enjoy. I do enjoy higher ed now. um, And I, I believe that I probably will stay in higher ed for my career and some of that is also personal so my my grandfather we were he came here off the boat from italy and and he always told us you're not going to get anywhere in life without education and he would tell that to all of us and that is something that he literally was saying on his deathbed 
And it's something that has always just stuck in my head. You got to go to school, you need to be educated. And so I do have that value. And I do believe that higher ed is something that is very valuable for everybody. Um, So I think I'm in a good spot. Yeah, good. Uh, You know, it's unfortunate about what you just said there. And I was just thinking about this because we would have shared a guidance counselor back then, given our last name. Like you think now that where were these people to tell us, like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, that sounds good. You're going to go there. But what are you going to do? Right. I mean, obviously, we and I don't want to call these people out because I know what his name is, you know, but you just like you think about these people and you're just like, come on, sir or ma'am. Where were you? You could have helped us out. You could have saved us millions of dollars and and maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, but a whole lot of heartache. Um, Okay. Can I make one comment about that? I mean, I I really, truly do not remember our guidance (laughs) counselor. That's even worse. Uh, You just gave yourself advice to be like, hey, figure it out. That person is employed to do that job. He told me. When I told him I was applying to Sacred Heart University, he told me because I didn't do well on the SAT, which come to find out schools are test optional now, sir. Uh, He told me that I was never going to get into Sacred Heart. And so here I am like, listen, (laughs) it was the only school I applied to. I did early decision. I got in right away. So there you have it. And uh, now I help hundreds of other people get into this school. Thank you very much. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we beat that gentleman up too much, let's talk about your your advice for this is general public. What what advice do you have based on the career that you've had? Obviously we know the number one piece of advice people need to take away from this episode. Do not make educational decisions based on uh Fluff. potential relationship fluff relationships yeah. that may or may not uh be the right ones. So what else you got? What other advice would you say? I mean, of course, you talk to people every day about life decisions. So if somebody wants to, let's let's do, let's do make it easier then, Adrian, instead of just the whole generic topic. If I want to follow in your footsteps, if I want to look at admissions, because I think that high rides where I want to be, what advice do you have for me? I almost like the general population question better. Okay, that's that's fine too. That's, that's You answer it however you want. So what I tell people who are like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Help me. Yeah. Um, I tell them to find their passion. And I know that that's like a cliche thing. And, you know, everybody, all these inspirational speakers and whatever say that. But what I truly mean by that is where are your real interests and what truly makes you happy? Um, I'm all about what truly makes you happy these days, Mm. uh, for professional and personal reasons. And I, it's like, it's my thing and I cannot say it enough. You need to pick something that makes you happy. And let me tell you, you don't choose working in higher ed for the cash. Yeah. So you have to really love what you're doing. You have to have a passion for it. Um, and that's my other piece of advice. You shouldn't chase a career for the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, do I wish I could go on more vacations? Sure. Who doesn't? Yeah, of course. But I do truly believe, you know, that old saying money doesn't buy happiness. Um, and so I really would take a hard look at, you know, 
what do you spend most of your day thinking about? What do you, you know, when you're thinking about where you see yourself in five years, what what are the things that you're thinking about that are making you most happy? And then find a way to do those things professionally. Awesome. Awesome. So if I'm a student thinking about uh, graduate programs, how do I get in touch with Andrea Baguetta to learn more about Sacred Heart? So... We are actually hosting four open houses this month. Um, and each of them will have individualized academic information sessions for each of our 40 graduate programs. Um, and they will all be 100% virtual. You can sit in your pajama pants from your house um, and learn all about our program offerings. So if anybody is interested in that and learning more, you can go to sacredheart.edu slash grad open house. That will bring you to our virtual events page for all of our fall events. Awesome. And uh, for those of you listening, notice she did not say your pajama tops. Wear your pajama <laughs> pants, but at least try to look professional from the waist up. Thank you. That's Pro right. Tip. We always tell people, be aware of what you're wearing and yep. be aware of what's in your background. Pro tip, pro tip. Pajama bottoms only, professional at least from the waist up because they can see you. Correct. Awesome. Uh, Andrea, I really appreciate the time today. I really appreciate you being candid about your journey. I'm excited to see where you go and hopefully that things continue to look up for you personally and professionally. So again, uh, on behalf of all of my listeners, we thank you for this episode. And of course, to all the listeners out there, take care, stay safe. Shashwat Baxi, this was My Life Be Life.